right. Good morning. Hey, thanks for coming out. Hey, you know what? I'm glad you're here. I, you know, I was, and you can ask my wife this. This is not true. I said, you know, this rain. I said, doesn't God know that Baptists don't like wet? I mean, come on. And here you are today. Thank you so much for coming out. Happy Mother's Day. We're just so glad you came and celebrate with us the Mother's Day brunch. And oh, by the way, we're having our men's gathering upstairs uh, during the same time. So anyway, so that's also cool. Um, hey, um, listen, I'm sitting there. I love that last song. Anybody love it here? Amen. I love that. So G, write that one down. Dwayne wants his son at his funeral. Now, I hope it's an old hymn by the time we do that, but, but just write it down because I think it's a great song. It's just wonderful because it so, so lively speaks of the wonder and glory of who Jesus Christ is. Hey, this is week number five, and it was supposed to be the last week of our series, but we bumped it a week further down the road to make up some stuff that we didn't get to along the journey. So this is week number five, and we're talking about godly homes and gardens. Godly homes and gardens. We're going to marry um, some scripture from first uh, from um, Psalm 127 and then Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to marry those two together, and you'll see how it's going to work out. Now, here's the deal. Did, you know, just what, about two weeks ago, um, I had to go to the store, and I had to buy a paintbrush, a paintbrush. Um, I would say me, but Judy largely is trying to remodel part of our kitchen, and that involved stripping wallpaper. Can somebody say Amen. Yeah, if you ever done that, you know all about that. And getting the glue off the walls, sanding the walls, uh, all that stuff, just a bunch. And we're still in the journey of that. But it came time to apply some paint, and so I had to go buy a paintbrush. Now, somewhere along the way of my life, a kindly gentleman who was a professional painter said, Dwayne, um, there's something you need to know is that you need to buy a good paintbrush. Because here's my theory, buy the cheapest. I mean, it's not uncommon for me to look at a menu. And they get all this good food, and whatever's cheapest, I'll pick that out, you know. So I go there, and I, I get to the paintbrush place, and they had three sections lined Actually, they had four. Talk about the fourth one in just a moment. They had three sections lined up, and you can probably guess what they are. There were the good, Mary, there were the good paintbrushes, okay? And then there were the better paintbrushes. And finally, there was the best paintbrushes, now, again, my, I'm, just, I'm just battling this, okay? Because, you know, there's a big price difference between good and best. And I'm going, now listen, good's good. Amen? Good is good. So I just fought the battle. I ended up buying the better. I just couldn't go the extra dollars and buy the best one. But, but there was another category there. And the other category was, are you ready? Professional. Yeah, and they were like a lot more than even the best. So, so if this was good, you know, the best, it was good, then, then the professional was like even gooder. It was even gooder. Now, yeah, I know that's bad grammar. I did it on purpose. Uh, so, so anyway, and so, so I bought the better one that day. And what, I, what I'm discovering and finding out is that, you know, when it comes to building homes, you know, there are good homes, and we're grateful for good homes. Um, and, and, you know, there are better homes, and we're grateful for better homes. And then there's some homes that really seem to have it together. The kids have no cavities. They make good grades in school, you know, things like that. They're, maybe they memorize scripture. And those are the best homes. But then there's this other whole category, and it's called godly homes. And that's like the professional one, and that's like what God desires for our homes. Not, not just good, not just better, not just best. That he wants homes to be godly 
homes, godly homes. Well, tying in along the story of remodeling, I know in Harrisburg this isn't true, but in a lot of places in the world, they have what they call building codes. Anybody heard building codes before? Yeah, I don't think, Harris, I don't think Harrisburg has building codes. Um, I'm almost certain they have. But like, if you go to a place like California, did you know they have a building code on how to install toilet tissue? Well, I'm sure they do. I, don't, I can't prove that, but I'm just sure they do. they got a building code for everything. You know, you can't do anything at your house without violating or, or finding out about the building code. So I decided, I said, okay, well, if we're going to build godly homes, okay, we need to know what building code we're going to use. Well, I found out that building codes um, are listed for three major reasons why they're building codes. It's health, it's safety, and then the general welfare of the populace. So health, safety, and general welfare of the populace. And did you know it's amazing, I found out, and I didn't realize this until last night even, is that as I looked at our scripture, that there's kind of that pattern, that outline in Psalm 127. I got kind of excited. I said, well, now how about that? Isn't God smart that he knew one day there would be building codes, and he gives us his building codes on how to build godly Homes. Now, the verse number one of Psalm 127, actually the first part of 127, says this, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. So here's what God is saying. You know, you, you can do, you can build homes however you want to. You can build lives however you want to. You can build families however you want to. And, and you're going to find time, you know, it's a good, it's good. And sometimes you'll say, well, it's, it's better, it's better. And sometimes it'll be, you know, it'll be best. But God says, if you want to build a godly house then you've got to do it God's way. This means amen. Just to help you along, I know it's Mother's Day and it's early, okay, and it's raining, all right? But if you want to have a godly home, you've got to do it God's way. So Paul comes along then and gives us some instructions way back in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 33. Now, y'all know this chunk of scripture. You know, it starts out by saying, oh, by the way, be sure and submit to each other, okay? And then he specifically talks about the wife and specifically talks about um, the husband. And unusual for Paul is that he actually was able to summarize something in a few words. Paul had a tendency to preach long sermons, okay? And so he comes along and says something pretty succinctly, pretty short, and pretty to the point. And it's in verse number 33 that we see this. And he says, to sum it up, to sum it up. Now, now here it is. He says, here's what I've told you in Ephesians chapter 5 in the nutshell, okay? And it's the big part, the first part of God's building code for building a godly home. A godly home. And I'm going to give you a hint. As we follow this, you don't even build a godly home, you build a happy home. You don't, even build a, you don't just build a holy home, a happy home, you build a holy hand. So Paul says, well, to sum everything up in verse number 33, he says, Now each of you, each, each of you um, must, one, he must love his wife as himself, and then the wife is to respect her husband. So to sum it up, he says, hey guys, hey husbands, I want you to love your wife. And, and the level of love is, is that as you love yourself, I want you to love the same way. Now this is really, really important. Guys, I'm going to tell you, there's like, there's like a zillion reasons 
why it's important that you love your wife. But I'm going to give you a really, really good, big one, okay? It's found in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 8, okay? Okay, so, so Peter says there, he says, now most importantly, like, like Paul did that a couple of times, most importantly, here's what you need to know. You need to love each other deeply. You need to love each other deeply. And here it is, guys. I'm going to save your life today. One of the reasons you need to love your wife is this. Love covers a multitude of sins. Can I have an amen? Love. Hey, guys, as you love your wife, it will cover a multitude, not of her sins, of yours. Of yours. So, so Paul is telling us, listen, it's so poor. And listen, listen, every marriage, every marriage needs a smattering of ooey gooey. Okay, there's, there's a place in a marriage for romantic love. There's a big place in marriage for romantic love. That's where you open the door, you, you buy gifts and cards, you do something special for your wife. That kind of romantic love. It, there's a big place. And so every, every family needs, every couple needs a smattering of that kind of love. But, 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 but that's not what Paul's talking about. That's what, you know, stop. He, he's talking, he's talking about the deep sacrificial dying love. So he says, hey guys, hey guys, I want you, in fact, he says it up in chapter 5 of Ephesians a little earlier. He says, you know, as Christ loved the church. Well, how did Christ love the church? He died for the church. He died for the church. So, so Paul says, in summary, first off, guys, you've got to love your wife. You've got to love your wife. Yes, romantically, more hugely, you need to love them with a dying sacrificial love. And then he comes on and says this, and the wife is to respect her husband. Respect her husband. Now, if we had time to talk about it, we really don't. But anyway, you know, women, women are, are, need to be loved. And just, men just need, they crave respect. Okay? And so, so Paul says, in summary, is that you need to respect your husband. Because it feeds his love tank. Okay? Men want to be respected. And they mostly want to be respected by those who love them the most who care about them the most, who know them the most and still choose to respect them. Now, ladies, here's the deal. Now, now someone here, even in a small crowd, might be saying, yeah, but you don't know my husband. You know, see, Paul definitely did not know my husband. And hey, preacher, you don't know my husband. Well, here's the deal. Respect has nothing to do with the character of the person, especially not here, okay? We are to, you are to respect your husband because God said you ought to respect your husband. It has nothing to do with the character of your husband. It has to do with your obedience to God. God so God says, so God says, hey, 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 you need to respect your husband. Now I want to throw this out there because I think it's important. Um, you need what if you say, Dwayne, what if I'm a single parent? And, you know, if you want to know what's one of the most hardest jobs in in, in the world. It's being a single, single parent. For whatever reason, when you find yourself a single mom or a single dad trying to raise a family. Well, here's the deal. You still need love and respect. You still need love and respect. Now, ultimately, I want you to understand that comes from God. For you, that comes from God. You need to understand always that God loves you and he respects you as his child. As his child. So, so write that down. If you're a single parent, oh, that's really important, okay? That, that you know, I, God loves me, okay? And that God respects me, 
All right? So, so you get that love and respect. But here's another level. You need to do... Well, let me put this way. You need to love yourself. So many single parents are so busy. You're busy, busier than a one-armed paper hanger doing a big room. And you forget self-care. You've got to find time for yourself. You've got to take care of yourself. You've got to somehow get away from the, from the war that sometimes life is and just take care of yourself. That's not selfish. That's smart. That's smart. So you've got to find a way to love yourself. And you know what? You've got to find a way to respect yourself. You've got to find a way to respect yourself. You may have, you may have been the cause of the situation or you may have had nothing to do with the, with the situation. But the bottom line is, God loves you. He respects you. You need to respect yourself. Tear off the label. If there's a label, tear it off. If there's a past, forget it. Under the blood of Jesus Christ. Whatever it is, you need respect also. Oh, oh, oh. and also, if you just happen to be single today, we're trying to cover everybody, um, being fair, you know, if you're just single today, it might be, it may be a second, you know, you're, you're, you're divorced and here you are and you're single and you're looking forward to one day perhaps being remarried again. Or maybe you're 20 years old and you've never been married. Okay? When you're choosing a spouse, be sure that you find someone who will love and respect. Make sure you find a man who will love you with a dying sacrificial love. And that's why Paul said, don't be unequally yoked together. Because the guy out there who may be debonair and handsome... But not a Jesus follower. He don't have love with a dying sacrificial love. Because that's a God love. It's a God love. Okay? And, and again, if you're, if you're a single guy, you know, you're not married yet and haven't been married yet, what kind of wife do you want to look for? You want to look for a wife that will believe in you and respect you. I thought this was pretty intuitive this morning. I thought it was pretty intuitive. So Paul says, you know, Paul says we're going to put it all in that big umbrella now. Paul says in verse 33, so to sum it up, each one of you is to love your wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. There you go. There you go. Now, let's do our teaching point, okay? Here's the deal. A loved wife shows respect. A loved wife shows respect, and a respected husband loves his wife. This marries together. When, when, a, when a wife is loved, she is more likely to show respect. And when a, respected, when a man is respected as a husband, he generally is more ten, tends to love his wife. It's a great deal. Look at this. Look at this. This is important. When love and respect remain married, couples tend to do the same. When love and respect are married, when that's part of the relationship, then when that's one of the foundations of the relationship, guess what? Couples tend to stay married. So is this hugely important? Let me help you. It is. It is. So we need to, husbands, we need to love our wives. And then we also need, wives, you need to respect your husband. Now, again, Judy and I have, um, have been together now for 40. We're coming over and celebrate our 45th wedding anniversary. And I wish I could tell you what a great husband I am. I can't do that. But I can tell you what a great wife she is. And I'm not trying to get brownie points. I'm just telling you the way it is. But the bottom line is, I would tell you this. After 45 years of marriage, if you were to say, you know, I'm old enough to be one of those people that go, well, tell me the secret of a long marriage. Well, one of the secrets of a long marriage is a godly marriage. And part of a godly marriage is when the wife respects the husband and the husband loves his wife. That's, that's it. 
That's it. It's hugely important. It has nothing to do, it has nothing to do with me being worthy of her respect or her being worthy of my love. It's all about God. It's all about God. It's all about God. All right, so then Paul moves in our marriage with 127 in Ephesians. We're now at the end of 5 when we go into chapter 6 of Ephesians. And then he says this. He says, he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. This is right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. So here's the deal. In the same way that Judy is asked by God to respect me and I'm re- God asked me to, re- to love her, so then he addresses the children and says, Children, listen, you need to obey your parents. And you need to understand something. It has nothing to do if you have a good dad or a bad dad. It has nothing to do if you have a good mom or a bad mom. The reason God says obey is because it's the, get ready, the right thing to do. So if you're here today and you happen to be a child... Everybody's somebody's child, but if you're still you know, under the tutelage of your mom and dad, you need to know this from your pastor and from the word of God. God says obey your parents, and it has nothing to do with whether they're good or bad. It's simply when you obey your mom and dad, you're doing it for Jesus. You're doing it for Jesus. It's, it's, it's a really, really, really big deal. It's the right thing to do. Now, if you've got the worship been open, you already know what I'm fixing to say. It's not on a slide, but it's important. Okay, so you know, we have the the what about factor. You know, it's kind of like abortion. You know, people say, "Well, yeah, I, I want to be pro life, but what about incest and rape?" Okay, well, here's the deal: less than one percent of abortions are caused by incest and rape. But people throw that as a reason to go ahead and say, "I'm, I'm for abortion because of that." Okay, same way. So, so we want to say, "Yeah, but what if? What, what if my dad asks me to do something? What, what if my mom tells me to do something?" Well, there is a deal. There's a deal, okay? And the bottom line is this. You know, obedience is the right choice unless, unless it causes you to break the law of God or the law of man. That's it. That's your caveat. That's your deal. So, so God says, I want you to obey your mom and dad. It has nothing to do with their character. It has to do with you obeying me because I'm your, I'm your, you know, you're a Jesus follower and I'm your God, Okay? So I want you to obey your parents, all right? Unless if they ask you to break my law, okay, that's, that, that's, there's a line, there's a line. And if they ask you to do something illegal in the eyes of man, there's a line, there's a line. But children, obey your parents. You, you parents can buy my lunch later. Children, obey your parents because it's the right thing to do. Can I have an amen? It's the right thing to do. Now, here's the deal. How long? Well, almost forever. It may seem like forever. <laughs> but here's the deal. My, this is my interpretation of Scripture. Um, I think as long as a child is under your roof, they're under your rules. Now, in today's world, that may be 40, you know. <laughs> we have a lot of kids who never leave home. But I really honestly believe... Now, again, you can't treat a, you can't treat a 21-year-old like you do a 3-year-old. You do understand that, don't you? But the bottom line is, as long as a child is under your roof, it's your rules. I hear so many times, people, you, know, you know, parents will say, yeah, I told him not to do this in the house, and he did it. Well, then ask him to go get his own house, and he can do what he wants to do. Amen? I mean, just let him just go find a house, and then do whatever he wants to do. 
All right? So, so as long as, you know, I have, a, I have a couple in the church that one of the things this lady says to me, used to say, and, and probably would say it now, is when I go to her house, I always, like we're at a party, I always go to the end of the line. And her rule, she says, no, 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 pastor, I want to honor you. You're first in line. And then she says these words, my house, my rules. So uh, when a child is still under your umbrella, you are within the, I think, the line of scripture to say my house, my rules, my house, my rules. Then, then he moves on and he says this. He says, after he says that in verse number one, in verse two and three, he says, now honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment of the promise. So honor your mom and dad. Now, Mama T, how long does that last? Till they quit. Yeah, forever. Till they, you quit breathing. Listen, obedience has, what, you know, once you move out, and particularly, listen to me, particularly when you're married, okay, you start your own house, okay, so there's an umbrella and a, and a statute of limitations for obedience, Okay, if you're 45 years old and your dad comes up and tells you to do something, particularly if there's a wife involved and involves something that, that your wife won't like, okay, I don't think that applies. But if you're still living under the roof, I think it does. Honor is different. Honor has no statute of limitations. Honor has. You're to honor your mom and dad till they are no longer here to honor. You are to honor your mom and dad until they are no longer here to honor. Honor your mind. Respect. Respect your mom, your father and mother. And it's the first commandment with promise. Um, so that it may go well with you. It may go well with you. You know, in Romans chapter 13, I was reading those first seven verses again. Because we so wrestle with the politics of the age. You know? And it, I said, Judy, how can we ignore this? It so clearly says God puts people in authority. You know, and so, so, you know, to, for things to go well with you, you should be under submission to the authorities. I didn't say that. God did in his word. I mean, it's very clear. Paul sometimes made the water. That just wasn't one of them. It was very, very clear. So, so in Romans 13, you know, he says, if you want things to go well, obey the law. Okay. And, and when the kids were over in, in Babylon in 70 years of captivity, God said the same thing. Hey, get married, have a farm, live under the rules. Things will go better. And here's the deal. You know, God honors respect. God honors respect. Things will go better. Things will go better. And I don't have all the answers for what it means when it says, and you may have a long life in the land. I just think this is that, is that if the land is the promised land, for them, for us, it's the abundant life. You know, we'll live many years of joy and happiness when we learn to respect our mothers and fathers and, frankly, to respect others. So what's our teaching point? What's our teaching point? Okay. This is something I had last week. We didn't get it done, but I wanted to throw it in for this week because it really goes with this material. This is what we had last week. And I wanted to use it again. In family, okay, we show our submission. Remember when Paul said, I think it's Ephesians 5.20, he said, now all of you submit to one another. All of you. Hey, hey, dad, husbands, you're, you're submit, okay? Hey, wives, you to submit. Hey, children, you're to submit, Okay? All right, so in a family, we show our submission through, what did Paul say? Love, respect, and honor. That's how we show submission as a Christian, godly family. We show it through love, respect, and honor. Then, if you remember right last week, I said, and add a sprinkling of grace, and you have the ingredients for a successful family. Now, notice I didn't say you have a successful family, because sometimes you do everything right, but still somehow it falls apart. 
But you do have the ingredients for a successful family. So that is the, that's the building code, the first one. Remember, the first one was health. How do you have a godly, how do you have a healthy, healthy family? What's the building code? How do you have that building code? What is the building code, Dwayne, for a healthy, godly family? Love, respect, and honor. Love, respect, and honor. So if you remember, you know, the second was this. You know, Paul said that God's building code also included about safety. About safety, okay? Well, let's see what Paul says about safety. And this is the second part of verse number one. The second part of verse number one. Here's what he says. Now, did I just say Paul? Let's go back. I'm sorry. You know, let's let the psalmist write psalms. What do you say? Psalm 127, one, second part. Unless the Lord protects a city, unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. So, so the second building code is safety and what do you do? How do you provide a self-environment, a safe environment for your family? Well, there's lots of ways. But God says, here's the deal. If you want to have protection and safety for your family, then you've got to allow me to protect it. Because you guarding it with centuries does no good. Does no good. Every time we exclude God, this is so good. Every time we exclude God, we get in trouble. Amen? We get in trouble. So the psalmist says, unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will never do any good. And boy, we, we have the opportunity. Um, first off, we have an opportunity today to live this. Even though we're coming out of the COVID situation, it's a rocky world that we live in. It's an unsure future that we have. So if there's ever a time to have faith in our God, now's that time. Now's that time. Um, I have a mask, and this mask says, and Mama T gave me three of these, um, and I'm grateful because they're pretty comfortable to wear. But my mask says, faith over fear. Faith over fear. Now, that is not a mask statement. I wear, you know why I wear a mask? When I wear a mask here, I still, when I go in the store, I wear a mask. You know why? They ask me to. I don't know if I have to believe it or not. I just, you know, they said, hey, wear a mask. I said, okay, I will. And I don't have that statement on there as a statement about masks and pandemics. I like that statement there because it should be my mantra for life. I should be a man of faith and not a man of fear. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, you should too. You should be a man or woman of faith and not one of fear. And honestly... If, if, you know, people, someone asked me this week, what do you think we learned through going through the pandemic? And one of the things I said was unity, that we're not as unified as we think we are, but also we're not as faithful as we think we are. We wrestle with this thing called fear. And I understand that because it's a very serious situation. But I love what, what Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 31. He said these words, be strong and courageous. And you find those words also, by the way, spoken to, to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. But Moses says, be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them. Don't be terrified or afraid of them. And I, and I saw that a lot. Okay? I saw that a lot in the, in the world. And I saw it a lot in the Christian world. Okay? Don't be terrified. Don't be afraid of them. Because, because, for the Lord your God. Somebody say, Lord your God. Yeah, yeah. The Lord your God is the one who will go with you. 
Okay? Um, he will not leave or abandon you. The bottom line is this. And this is, again, you know, going back, let me read it again. Unless the Lord protects its city, guardian of its interests do no good. So here's the bottom line. Nothing is greater than your God. Nothing is greater than your God. He's greater than your circumstances. He's greater than sickness and illness and death and pandemics. Okay? He's greater than everything that we have a tendency to fear. Okay? And he promises never to leave us or abandon us. You say, well, Dwayne, that's Old Testament. Well, well, the author of Hebrews said the same thing. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He will be there for you, I promise you and guarantee you. And don't miss this. Don't miss this. This is a great verse. You know, Psalm, uh, Psalm 20, verse 7. Here's what it says. Some trust in chariots. Are you going to be a chariot truster? Some trust in horses. Are you going to be a horse truster? And then the author says, but we. Unlike, 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 in, in opposition to, opposed to the chariot trusters, opposed to the horse trusters, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Amen? We trust in the name of the Lord our God. And when we say the name, when we trust in the name, we trust in the name and the power and authority of the God behind it. We're not going to trust in chariots. We're not going to trust in horses. We're going to trust in the name of the Lord our God. So we've got to ask our question, you know, where, what is the object of our faith? See, I, I tried to shock you one day about months ago. And sometime, and I tried to shock you by saying this, believing is not enough. And I was hoping somebody would say, we mean believing is not enough. Your Bible says we're saved by faith. Yeah, faith in what? Faith in the government? Faith in your political party? Faith in your abilities? No, no, and no. But faith in God. See, it's not enough just to believe. It's not enough to have faith. You've got to have faith and believe in the right thing. And the right thing is the name of the Lord our God. The name of the Lord our God. So, so the building code says, look, unless the Lord protects its city, unless God protects your home, you're guarding it in vain. There's no safety in that. You've got to trust in the name of the Lord our God. I love 1 John 4, 4. Listen to this. First part's just okay, but then when he hits a home run. You are from God. Remember, you're God's kid. If you trusted Jesus, you're a child of God. You're God's kids. Okay? Remember that. Who's your dad? Who's your father? God. God. Okay? You are from God, little children, and you've conquered them. You've conquered the enemy. Actually, he has, and we live under his umbrella. Okay? Here it is. Here it is. Here's the home run. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. See, it's not about it's not about political parties. It's not you can't trust the government. You don't care who's in the White House. You can't trust a mask. Okay, maybe wear one if, as an act of a compliance. Sure, maybe maybe for protection. Sure, but again, we trust in the name of the Lord our God. He's our protector. Okay, greater is He that is in me, the Holy Spirit, than He that is in. So the third building code, um, we went from, let's see, we had health, a healthy family. We had safety, which is protection from God. And then we've got general welfare. Remember the third thing, general welfare of the public, okay? The general welfare. Now, here's what the psalmist said in verse number two. 
It is useless. It is useless for you. Somebody say useless. Yeah. Are you really ready to, to own that? It is useless for you um, to work so hard. Now, that's not a statement about work ethic, so don't make it one. Okay? It's useless for you to work so hard from early morning to late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. So, so the general welfare statement is this. It's useless for you to work yourself to death instead of trusting God. Ultimately, faith in God wins. Ultimately, faith in God wins. You know, when we, when we trust God, when we trust God for our well-being, okay, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, uh, uh, Dylan Burroughs, a teacher, said this. We must not simply desire God, okay? We must live in total dependence. Boy, do I like that. When it comes to the welfare of my family and my home, hey, you're a dad, okay, you know, when it comes to the welfare of your, your kids and your wife, hey, if you're a mom, okay, then the welfare of, of your children and your husband, and I suppose somewhere the kids fits in there. It's not enough to desire God. We've got to live in total dependence of Him. Here's why. Here's why. In Isaiah 55, verses 1 and 2, it's great scripture, and I happen to, I've used the New Living Translation. Is anyone thirsty? Now, you've been thirsty before. You know about thirsty. Is anyone thirsty? And here's the invitation. Come and drink. Come and drink. Come. come. I think the psalm says this way. Come and be satisfied. Come and be satisfied. And, and again, we don't want to make this say more than it does, but sure is nice. Because he says, you know, you come and drink. You don't even have to. Your money's no good here, God says. See, when it comes, woo, come on, when it comes to your salvation, when it comes to your well-being, when it comes to His love for you, your money's no good here. Ever love that? Don't you love that? Yeah, I love it when I go to lunch with somebody and I pull out my wallet. <laughs> That's going to happen, okay? I pull out my wallet and they say, "Oh, preacher, no, your money's no good here." Love that, love that. And so, so here we are, Father. Where are we at? Here we go. You know, uh, you know. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come and take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Now, this is where we don't make too much of this. But it's a good thought. It's a good thought. You know, when you hear wine, often wine is speaking of cleansing. So if you need, if you need some cleansing, there it is. And, and milk is a, even then and even now, is a drink of comfort. You need comforting? There it is. Come and drink. Whether it's, whether it's wine or whether it's milk, it's all free. Come and drink. And then he says, hey, listen, listen, listen. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that, gives you, that does you no good? Why are you struggling with this? In fact, you know, Psalm 4610, stop striving, stop struggling. I'm God. I'm God. You know, listen to me and you will eat what is good. And you will enjoy the finest food. Jesus says, a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you may have abundant life. So, the question is this. How are you going to build your house? What building code? See, here's the matter about building codes. If you're interested in building the safest possible house for your family, you're going to be one who embraces building codes. If your thought is, I want to build the fastest, cheapest house possible you will reject building codes. It's true in building. 
is join our Christian walk. If we want to build the very best home possible, we embrace the idea, God, what's your take? Because God, whatever you want me to do is what I need to do. And we've got divided loyalties and we're not sure. What we'll do is this. We'll say, you know what? God's building codes is not for me. I'll, I'll call him when I'm in the hospital. I'll call him when I'm sick. I'm calling when the kids are gone or something. But right now, I'm okay. I'm okay. I don't think so. I really think a wise man would say this. I want to build the best home possible. And what you do is follow God's building code. Let's pray. Father, thank you very much for your love and mercy and grace. Thank you for your kindness. Uh, boy, thank you for this message. I'm so glad you spoke my heart the way you did with it. Um, every week you do that, and I'm just grateful. Father, I want to pray that if there's a case for someone here who needs to come to the cross, who's never been forgiven of their sins, I want to pray, Father, that you would just um, just draw them to yourself. I would pray for that. And that God, for the rest of us who already know you as Savior, Lord, help us choose. Help us to embrace the building code of your love, mercy, and grace. Lord, help us to build our homes with love and respect and honor. And, Father, in so doing that, we obey you. So help us build our homes that way. This time of decision, Lord, is yours. And we pray, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen.